You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Well, good morning, Meadowbrook, uh, and behind me. Uh, this is our, norm, our new normal, at least for four to eight weeks, so, so what we're told, I guess. Uh, if, you are, if you have a Bible that's close to you or you're able to get to it, I'd encourage you to grab it and to uh, get it and open to Romans chapter 12, because that's where we're going to be spending our time, is Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 9, and I know you're at home, but I'm even going to ask that you would stand in your home as we honor the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 9. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray again. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we can, even in our, home, our homes, in our living rooms, in our bedrooms, uh, in our offices, wherever it is that your people are gathering today, we thank you that we can gather and uh, to, to uh, submit ourselves under your word, under the scriptures. God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and give us ears to hear and eyes to see. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've been thinking about how I can encourage you uh, during this time of uncertainty. It seems like every other day uh, news is changing uh, or, or something's being added to the restrictions that, that, that are placed upon, upon us. You know, I think yesterday they closed down the mall until further notice. And I, I know some of you are, you know, you're dealing with anxiety. Uh, maybe some of your children are in the room with you right now listening to this message and they're struggling with anxiety and certain fears. Maybe you're just wondering, how am I going to navigate this season of my life with work and my children at home? How am I going to do this? You know, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I keep referring to this uh, proverbial easy button that doesn't exist. I wish there was an easy button and there's not. But what I do know is that the church has experienced seasons like this. This is not new for God's people. 
It may be new for you, and it certainly is new for me, but it is not new for the church to experience uh, plagues or pandemics or, or crises of, you know, in, in a nation. And so I want to help you, and I, I felt the best way to do that is just to, for us to turn our attention to Romans chapter 12 and, um, and just to think about what these words are saying to us. You know, before surrendering to God's unrelenting love for you, the Bible says that we were, uh, we were spiritually dead, that we at one time were followers of the prince of the power of the air, that we were children of wrath, that we at one time were an enemy of God, that we were unrighteous and that we were spiritually blind. The Bible says that the God of this world blinded the eyes of the unbelieving. That was us at one point in our lives. But through Jesus Christ, you received a new name. And that name is Christian. It means, it means to have Christ within. And as a Christian, you are now alive in Christ. You are a disciple of Jesus. You are a child of God. Uh, because of your faith and trust in Jesus, you are now a friend of God. You are righteous positionally before God. And you who were once blind now see. That is true of every single one of us that have played when, we, when we placed our faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says that something happened when you became a follower of Jesus. And what happened at the moment that you became a Christian, is that you were redeemed from your sins by the blood of Jesus. That you were justified before a holy God and made righteous through your faith in Jesus Christ. That you, who were once an enemy of God, had now been reconciled to that God. That uh, what happened when you became a Christian is that you were liberated from your slavery to sin to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And what happened was that you who were once far from God had now been brought near to God. And this ought to encourage you, as it does for me, because you know, I said this last week when I read, and I, the point I really tried to drive home last week was with Romans chapter 8, those last uh, final verses, that, that you were a child of God. And even though there was a pandemic you know, in our nation, that's plaguing our nation and the world, you are still a child of God. Nothing has changed in terms of who you are and where your identity rests. You are a son or you are a daughter of the living God, the God of all creation, who is sovereign even over viruses. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote later in Romans chapter 8, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive, listen, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Literally, it means Daddy, that we can cry out to the God of all creation, Daddy. 
You know, here's what we've learned over the last, I don't know, month or so. And that is our leaders are fickle. Our economy is fragile. And our life on this side of eternity is terminal. And I think that's what has caused so much fear in, in our world, in our nation, in our state, and in the city of Cheyenne. And, and one thing I can promise you is that as a result of everything that we're experiencing, we'll never be the same. I hope for the better. We will never be the same. And I can guarantee you that our world has changed. Just like it did with 9-11, our world has changed. In Romans chapter 12, in these verses that I read for you, there are a number of things that we're told about what it means to be a Christian and how we can navigate uh, our, our life and follow Jesus in a COVID-19 world, a coronavirus world. And this is what we learned from the passage. And I just, I read this passage and, and it was encouraging to my own heart. And I just want to share with you what, what my observations with, you know, from this passage and how it's how these verses have ministered to my own heart. And the first is this. We were redeemed to love. We were redeemed to love. If, if, what I think God is teaching us through this experience, this, this time where we as the church can't even gather right now. Uh, we're, we're, we're gathering. You're gathering in your homes. You're, you're with your families. And, and one of the things that you ought to be reminded of as I'm speaking right now is that the church is not a building, it's not, a, it's not an address, it is the people of God. And wherever two or more are gathered, the Bible says that there Jesus is with us in the midst. And what we learn from Romans chapter 12 is that we were redeemed to love. We're going to spend probably the next five or six weeks in Romans together. And what you should know about Romans is that the epistle to the Romans was written in the midst of some really difficult, difficult times, uh, uncertain times, unsafe times for, for Christians. And Paul wants to remind us that we were redeemed to love. We were redeemed to love. He says, let love be genuine. Uh, the, the Greek word here is, for love is agape. And, and the way it's translated, it's... It's translated in the English the way that it is just because it makes the most sense. But if you were to literally translate the way, the way this, this verse is, is stated, love is not treated as an action. It's treated as something that identifies us. We were, we were, we were redeemed, and as a result of being redeemed, we are the expression of God's love in a world that doesn't know him. Verse 9 should begin with the phrase, authentic love. Authentic love. That, that, that this is what describes us. This is who we are. The point is simply this. Genuine love abhors what is evil and it clings to what is good. Something has changed in our identity. Uh, when we were once dead in our sins, now we are alive in Christ and what has changed is, that our, is our ability to love, to love God and to love one another and our neighbors who don't know Jesus. Genuine love abhors what is evil and clings to what is good. 
We were once spiritually dead, but now we've been made alive in Jesus. We once followed the devil, but now we follow Jesus. We once were children of wrath, but now we are children of the living God. We were once unrighteous, but now we are covered under the righteousness of Christ. We were once blind and we walked in darkness, but now we are seeing and we have been called into the light. There's this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, if you're taking notes. It says, God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's describing us. The result is that we are able to now love as we were made to love. And as a result, we abhor what is evil and we cling to what is good. Think about what that means in our day and age. If you want to know how we are to respond to this pandemic, uh, we are to respond in love. To focus our attention heavenly word and also to, to be attentive to the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ, first and foremost, and to our community. The second thing that we learn in this passage is not only were we redeemed to love, but we were justified to care. We were positionally made righteous before a holy God for the purpose of caring for, for well, for knowing him and for caring for one another. The word that's used here in, in verses, well, in verse 10 for love is phileo. Uh, it's, it's a brotherly love. You know, I jokingly said this is... This is the Greek word that the city of Philadelphia was named out of. Literally, brotherly love. Uh, I've jokingly said, no, it's really the city of brotherly shove. Um, and, and, but but g- genuinely, our expression for one another should be one of love. That we love one another. That we were justified before a holy God because of what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. In a, and the expectation of God is that we love one another. There is a bond that, is, that we share that's closer than the DNA that we share with our own family members, and that is that we are covered under the righteous blood of Jesus Christ and that, and that we're made his children. This kind of brotherly love happens uh, because we're the only people on planet Earth who truly have a hope that transcends death, disease, pandemics. You know, we can be patient in the midst of suffering because we know the one who defeated death and walked out of the grave. That even <laughs> we know this. I'm, I'm certain that you know this, Meadowbrook. That that uh, the the coronavirus has a shelf life, as does the grave has a shelf life. And the reason why we know that is because Jesus conquered death when he rose on the third day. And uh, this, this idea of loving one another in the Bible, we're to take our cues from Jesus. which says, you know, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, count others more significant than yourselves. You know, have this mindset like the one that Jesus had. Jesus didn't elevate the worth of people above himself. Um, he, he, we model our life after the way he treated people. He was willing to die for sinners like you and sinners like me. And if the cross teaches us anything, and it teaches us a bunch of things, but when it comes to love, it teaches us that, the, that love is self-sacrificing and is committed, it's committed to the well-being of others. And during this season in our lives, as 
people who, who are, who've been justified by the righteous blood of Jesus, uh, we ought to think, how, how can I be committed to the well-being of my neighbors, to those around me, to my brothers and sisters in Christ? So not only were we redeemed to love, not only were we justified to care, but thirdly, we were reconciled to serve. We were, we, the Bible says we were once an enemy of God and we were reconciled to God because of, what, because of his great love that was demonstrated through him sending his son to die in our place and to rise on the third day. Verse 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. You know, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The outworking of our faith is, is, is a, a heart to serve, a heart to, to meet the needs of our, of our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it means to love your neighbor and to meet the needs of our, of our neighbors who maybe don't know Jesus or maybe they go to a different church. It doesn't matter. That when we came to faith in Jesus, God did something supernatural in our hearts. He enabled us to love him and to love one another. I've said this to you a bunch of times, that the, that the way you treat one another is symptomatic of your relationship, your vertical relationship with God. We were reconciled to serve because we've experienced the great mercy of God, we ought to be attentive to the needs of others. Because God pursued us and made us alive in Jesus, we ought to act when one of our own is in need. And we're starting to see that. Even in the, in, within our church family, we're starting to see people uh, respond to the needs of, of our elderly in the church. I, uh, we had one, one of our elderly in the church who ran out of toilet paper and because of, because of what some of you have already donated to the, this food bank or this hub that we're, we're making out of our church building, we're able to take, them, uh, take that person toilet paper and some other, some other items. We were reconciled to serve. The only way people will hear the gospel is if they hear it from our lips and see it validated through our actions. And then... Fourthly, uh, we were liberated for a mission. We were liberated from, the, from, from our sin to be sent into mission. Uh, you know, I know this is not new for you. We've, we've, we've talked about this a lot since I came on uh, staff to be your pastor, that, uh, that we, were not, we were not saved to warm a seat on Sunday. We were saved to be sent, to be sent into our world. I, I, take, I take great encouragement of the circumstances we find ourselves in because what I believe it is forcing the church, not just Meadowbrook, but the church all over America to do is to, is to rethink what does it mean to be the church. I really believe that the coronavirus is moving the church from being insular to being missional. We're, we're thinking about f things related to the church that, we were not, that we're not used to thinking. Like how do I be the church when I'm at home and I'm not allowed to be gathered together with my brothers and sisters. That's what we're experiencing today. This is our new normal for a while. We were liberated for a mission. Um, this uh, idea of having the mind of Jesus 
is a lifestyle that understands that people's greatest need is God and that we'll do whatever it takes to bring God to them through the gospel message of, uh, that, that Jesus lived the life, you know this, lived the life that we could never live, and he died to death, that he what? He died to death that we deserved. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. Genuine love rejoices with those who rejoice, weeps with those who weep, seeks to live in peace with others, and never considers oneself better than the other. And then finally, we were we are in Christ to do good. That we were, we, the, there's this phrase all, all throughout Paul's letters, the epistles in the New Testament, and that phrase is in Christ, in Christ. That is our identity. We are now in Christ. We who were once far off and alienated from God, uh, we, we've been reconciled to God through Jesus, and now positionally we are in Christ. And so as a result of being in Christ, the whole purpose of our salvation is to do good. Not only to be reconciled to God and to know him as we were made to know him, but to do good. You could read that in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. In fact, verse 8 says, you know, that it's by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not, of anything, it's not as a result of anything that we've done that nobody can boast. And then when you get to verse 10, it says, we were created for good works for the glory of God. And for the good of others, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing that verse a little bit, but, but I'd encourage you to read it. It is a love that has been shaped by a loving God that when we are wronged, we understand that God can turn our suffering around for our good and the good of others. And right now, you know, we're, we're experiencing a form of suffering, right? I, I said, uh, well, I didn't coined this phrase, Elizabeth Elliot did, but that suffering is, is what? It's, it's having what you don't want and wanting what you don't have. Well, I, can, I think I can safely say that right now you have what you don't want. You don't want to be clustered up in your homes. Uh, some of you parents are already saying, oh, is, you know, it's, it's been long enough. I want my kids to go back to school. They're going crazy. They're driving each other crazy. We're experiencing a form of suffering that we're not used to. And you know what? The reality is, is it's probably going to get a little worse. Like, I, I, I just, I'm not sure how our economy will recover from this. I mean, I'm sure it will recover, but man, I, I bet you it's going to probably take some time. We just came out of a recession. Now we're going to find ourselves back in one? You know, what does that mean for our you know, retirement funds? What does that mean for jobs? I, one of my, I talked to one of my friends who had to lay off 20 people at his, at his company because of what's happening. We're suffering. We're suffering. But I said this in the last sermon series, even, and when you read Habakkuk chapter 3, what we learn is that even when, we, when it seems like we've lost everything, we really haven't lost anything because we're in Christ. And all the riches and, uh, that belong to him are ours. Listen, you need to hear this. You are a, if you're a Christian, you are a king's kid. You are a child of the God of all creation. And there is nothing, there is nothing that can ever change that. Um, you are redeemed. You are justified. You, you have been reconciled to God. You have been liberated from your sins. And you are now in Christ for the purpose of, uh, of not only loving God and knowing him, but also doing good. Doing good uh, to one another 
and also to our neighbors. I mean, think about it. When you were far from God, God pursued us, right? When we were far from God, God pursued us. When we were dead, God made us alive in Jesus. When we followed the ethics of an evil kingdom, Jesus found us and asked us to follow him. When we were destined for hell, God purchased our forgiveness and made us citizens of heaven. When we were enemies of God, God befriended us. When we were unrighteous, God made us righteous through his son. When we were blind, God made us see. When we were in darkness, God brought us into his light. When we were made to, when we were made to love because God first loved us, he called us to go out and, 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 and love others. Love others in the way that we experience the love of God. That's why, uh, you know, it's, I can't remember the chapter, but if you read 1 John, one of the marks of a believer is that we love one another. That we love one another. Because you are a Christian, listen, because you're a Christian, you do not need to be overcome by evil, but can now overcome evil with good. And this goes for death, a tanking economy, disease, and even pandemics. And I, I was just, I just racked my brain this week thinking to myself, how can I encourage you? And the best way that I know how to encourage you is, is through God's word. It's true, brothers and sisters. It is true. And moms and dads out there who have children who are just not sure what to make of this, maybe some of them are just scared, you can encourage them through the word of God that we have a God who loves us with an everlasting love. If, uh, if COVID-19 or the coronavirus is teaching us anything, it's teaching us that uh, health and prosperity are not guaranteed, and it is reminding us of how frail we really are, that life is short. You know, James says this in the, the, the epistle of James, that, that, that life is a vapor. It's here and it's gone. And, uh, and he goes on to encourage us, you know, you know, it, you know, who are you to plan what you're going to do, that you're going to do this and you're going to do that. You don't even know if you're going to be here tomorrow. And the whole point of James is that life is short and he's called his church to be on mission. And we have an awesome opportunity, brothers and sisters, an awesome opportunity to be the church in our neighborhoods. And if you're able to go into work, if you're a public servant and you, and you're, and you have to go into work, we have some of those here at Meadowbrook Church who are risking you know, their health to be out there, people that we're so thankful for. Um, you have a mission. We have a mission. Your hope uh, is in the Lord Jesus who rose from the grave. And if you're, if you're here, you know, on your live stream, on, on our website, and you're watching this, and you don't know who Jesus is, your hope is only as lasting as the breath that's in your lungs. And my, my plea to you would be, Pay attention. Look around you. Notice that life is frail and that there's a God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And he validated that when Jesus rose on the third day. The Bible says that you can experience what I've just been talking about, you know, being redeemed and justified and reconciled and, and, and being sent on mission and being in Christ and, and knowing what it means to be fully alive spiritually, that you can experience that, the Bible says, by simply believing in your heart 
that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose on the third day and confessing that with your mouth. The Bible says that it is by faith you can be saved. It is by faith that you can have your, your sins forgiven. Faith in Jesus Christ. And what are we as followers of Jesus? You know, what we do as followers of Jesus in the hours, the days, the weeks, the months to come will have, I believe, ripple effects that will last for generations. And a generation from now or two generations from now, what will they say about us? What will they say about the church? You know, I, I can look back and, you know, I, I quoted Martin Luther. Uh, you can visit, you know, Meadowbrook's Facebook page and, and read that quote. But people like Martin Luther, who he and his wife decided that during the Black Plague they were going to continue to carry the gospel to their neighbors and meet the real needs of their neighbors. They would do it cautiously. They decided they would do it cautiously, uh, but if their neighbors were in need, they were not going to ignore the needs of their neighbors. And from what I understand, as a result, one of, the, their, one of their children uh, died as a result of the plague. You know, following Jesus is costly, but we're called to it. Jesus said, he who will you know, seek to save his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will gain it. Jim Elliott said, uh, he is no fool who gains what he cannot keep. Wait, wait. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. On June of 1939, uh, in a letter to a friend, Dietrich Bonhoeffer explained why he decided to leave the comforts of America to go back to his nation, Germany, where there was certain danger there, why he would risk his life. And this is what he said in that letter. He said, I have made the mistake in coming to America. I must leave through this difficult period of our national history, or I must live through this difficult period of our national history with the Christian people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of the Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. Christians in Germany will face the terrible alternative of either willing the defeat of their nation in order that Christian civilization may survive or willing the victory of their nation and thereby destroying civilization. I know which of these alternatives I must choose, but I cannot make this choice in security. You know, loving our neighbors is the decision to do so. Not in security, but, but to go out on mission with precautions and with, in wisdom, but to do so. To, to enter the mission that God has called us you know, into. And uh, regardless of what is happening around us, as followers of Jesus, we're called not into security, but to love love for one another and love for our fearful and vulnerable neighbors who do not know the security that we have in God. You know, and, and how should we love our community? You know, listen to what, what the government is recommending. I, you know, later on in Romans, we're told to, 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 to obey the governing authorities. This is, <laughs> this, is a, this is written to the Romans under an oppressive empire 
Paul said we should listen, to, you know, we should obey the laws of our government so long as they don't ask us to disobey God. And, you know, what the CDC is saying and what our nation is saying is not bad stuff in terms of taking precautions. We should wash our hands. We should practice uh, social distancing. And, um, you know, we, we should find ways to interact with one another through virtual means. You know, we're going we're gonna to try to help our life groups to, to be able to do that. We should take precautions, but not at the expense of our neighbors. And um, at Meadowbrook, we're looking for creative ways to be the church uh, in Cheyenne. Uh, some of the ways that we're trying to do that as, as a church are um, ways that I believe that you can participate in. We're, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier on our live, our live feed, which I'll do every Wednesday. We're turning Meadowbrook Church into a food bank slash hub, not a place where you can come and where we, can, we open the doors for all kinds of people to come in. Uh, no, is it, we'll, we'll use it as a place where we gather groceries, we gather whatever, whatever you need, Meadowbrook Church, or whatever your neighbors may need, which I'm encouraging you to listen to your neighbors, that you call the church, email the church. Uh, we'll have staff in the church throughout the week and let us know how we can best you know, meet those needs, and we'll... We'll uh, put together those resources, and either you can come and pick up those items if it's your neighbor, and you can take them to your neighbor, or, or we can do it for you if you're not able to get out. But we're turning this building into a, a place that, that can serve our neighbors and, and can serve you. I'd encourage you that if you have items, to put those in a box and call, call the office, and we'll pick it up and we'll put it into our food bank. If you're able to drive, maybe you can drop it off sometime this week, but schedule that time. Um, if you're going, <laughs> I, I saw a, a funny picture on Facebook where uh, it says, you know, tithing is not, is not, uh, has not ended. If you buy toilet paper, if you buy, what was it? I think it was if you buy uh, 15 rolls of toilet paper, you need to give three to, to the church. So maybe, maybe you should do that. That's a... That's a strange but significant need. Um, so we're doing that. Other ways uh, that we're we're trying to meet the needs of our of of you, Meadowbrook Church, is that uh, we've gone completely digital with live streaming. Uh, providentially, we had already made plans to purchase a better camera. I don't know about four weeks ago or five weeks ago. We've been talking about this for some time, and just when. It, uh, just when it arrived was when we needed to go to live streaming. And so uh, we're doing that because we want to meet your needs and we want to stay connected. Uh, we're going to look for ways to resource your family, to engage your children, to engage your spouse with the scriptures. I'll talk more about that on Wednesday, but, but we're looking for ways to just help you just as a family come together around the word of God and to, and to minister to each other's hearts. Uh, and then finally, finally, and this is the last thing, it's, and this is important. Somebody said, money is the lifeblood of mission. And uh, that is so true. Uh, even though you're not here, we still are uh, dependent upon your faithful giving. And we're so thankful for, for your faithful giving. Some of you have already, you know, we, we know that you have decided to continue to give to Meadowbrook. Uh, for us to be able to meet the needs of our community and for us to continue to be 
to continue to do what God has called us to do in Cheyenne, uh, we still are going to be dependent upon your faithful financial giving. You can do that. We've made multiple options for you to be able to do that. One option is when this live stream is over, you can go on to our, well, you're already on our webpage. You can choose the giving option, the giving tab, and, and give uh, online. If you're uncomfortable with that, you can do it the old school way. You can just write a check and mail it to, uh, to our address, to Meadowbrook Church, and the address is on the website. You can, you can do that. Uh, you know, we're, we'll continue to give online uh, as a family. And so I would encourage you to do that. God is just doing so many great things, and I believe he's going to continue to do some really wonderful things through our church and, and the city of Cheyenne. My, my hope and my prayer is this, is that, is that uh, we will be known as the church that loved our neighbors when, when there was a time of need, that we would not be known as the church that just gathered on Sunday morning, but that we are known as the church who is on a mission to love our neighbors because we've experienced the great love of God. God, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for your word. And I ask like, with this final song that you just uh, use it to minister to our hearts, to drive home what we've looked at in your, in your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.